welcome to the Binge on This podcast, a podcast that you can safely binge and actually lose weight with Michelle Hasty Thompson. In 2010, I wrote a blog about how I ate six cookies in one day. Yep, it's true. I ate six cookies on a Sunday in 2010, a year after healing my weight and food struggles. Not all in one sitting. Binge eating hadn't crept in my life since I did all this work, but over the course of the day, my cookie tally had reached the very scary six. Now, just to be clear, they weren't all the same cookie. No, I would never do that. I had two caramel delights, two lemon cookies, and two homemade peanut butter cookies. Remember, this is back in the Girl Scout cookie time. Most of you know that I love cookies if you know me at all. They're absolutely fabulous, and I almost always I'll say had homemade cookies in my pantry because that's not true today. I have way too much to do with a kid. But back when it was just me, I used to make cookies all the time. And it's because of the fact that I keep those cookies in my pantry that I very rarely overeat them. But this Sunday, I overate cookies. And in the past, this would have been enough to spiral down into a very dark hole. So at the end of the day, when I felt the guilt start creeping in, I stopped and I asked my body, why did it let me eat all these damn cookies? And it gave me some answers and I want to share them with you as 10 years later, they're still relevant. But first, I want to thank you so much for showing up and tuning in because this podcast is inspired by you and there's nothing more important to me than you walking away with permission to be more of yourself, including having your ideal body. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Nothing makes me happier than knowing you're picking up what I'm putting out. If you have any questions or topic ideas, send them to info at Total Body Health Solutions or send me a DM on Instagram at The Ohm Institute. All right. Ready to hear what my body told me? Here's the first thing it said. Michelle, you ate all those cookies because after that 5K, you sat on the couch and did absolutely nothing, but I wanted to go outside. You just wouldn't take me there. Number two, you went online yesterday and you looked at all those other successful coaches out there and you compared yourself to them when you know that comparing takes you absolutely nowhere in life. Number three, I wanted to keep working on developing this program to jumpstart weight loss that you were so excited about, but because of your fears and negativity, you closed the computer for two whole days. Number four, you allowed yourself to feel overwhelmed and unsuccessful in the coaching field and that makes you just want to hibernate and eat. Number five, don't let your fears and anxieties stop you from doing what you do best, transforming lives. So as you can see, my body was brutally honest. It knew exactly why I ate those cookies, and all I did was allow my fears and negative thoughts trick me into thinking that I was too down to work, too down to go out and move in the sunshine, and down to listen to my body's desires. So the next day, I thanked my body for letting me know what was going on, and I knocked out half my program development that I was working on, and now cookies are the last thing on my mind. I thought it was so interesting to look back at that blog that I wrote 10 years ago, um, and remember, I remember that day, I remember that feeling, and I know that I'm not the only one, especially now during this coronavirus, social distancing, quarantine, um, having so much more on our plates in a way because we're at home with kids potentially and work and everything is different and the whole world got turned upside down in, in a moment. And I know a lot of people right now are struggling with exactly what I felt that day. Maybe obviously not the same exact thoughts. Maybe the body's not saying the same exact thing, but the general consensus of using food as a way to do something or feel something. And I bet you're wondering why on earth you can't just seem to stop. And it's really not 
something that you can use discipline or willpower in. And obviously you can't use avoidance um, because you are in the home all the time now. Whereas before we could sort of, you know, distract ourselves with other things. And that's not an option anymore. And that's not a bad thing. It's forcing you and everybody else to come up and face what's going on so that we don't use an avoidance strategy, which is not long-term or sustainable anyways. And if I kind of chase this back, you know, if we take it back to the whole weight thing, which is really what it all comes down to, because I'm pretty sure if everybody was eating way too much food but never gaining weight, they probably wouldn't care. So what it really comes down to is a fear of weight gain or the actual reality of gaining weight. And when we look at why, and in terms of our general thoughts in this culture and society about why people gain weight, it almost always comes down to foods, either eating too much food or eating the wrong kinds of food or some combination of that. And yet there's tons of programs out there that change the behaviors of people so that they eat healthier food more often without overconsuming. We hear things like portion control. We have Fitbits and smartwatches and things to track what we do. We have now um, devices that will shock you when you think about food or codes or things to put on your food so they're locked away or appetite suppressant drugs and surgeries to make your stomach shrink and, and not want to eat as much food. Like we've thought of just about everything in the natural science community to get people to eat less food or eat the right kinds of food and yet we're worse off than we've ever been before. So it's very clear to me, and especially being in this industry since 2006, like we're, we're missing the mark. You know, the way that I felt that day when I ate all those cookies, and that's not the first or last time that's ever happened, but now it's so clear as to why, because I'm coming from the world of psychology as opposed to sticking and, and not wanting to get out of this natural science community that wants to explain everything one way. And when you open up your mind and think, well, what else is happening here? Uh, not only, okay, yeah, obviously I'm eating all these cookies because I'm overwhelmed, because I'm stressed, because we definitely have tied that to our eating. But what about actually solving you know, the problem using solutions based in psychology as opposed to continuing to use the same sort of spin on the natural science solutions that tend to bring us right back to where we started or worse? Plus, we've sort of exhausted all of them at this point. Every new diet, every new weight loss program that comes out is just some iteration of the last, just with a little tweak here or there. And it's just going to keep doing that until we start looking at this differently. So it's at an interesting time because right now I'm in the, the beginning stages of my dissertation for my PhD in psychology. And my topic is um, how self-awareness influences or affects our eating behaviors and the way that I am able to explain this topic or why I chose it or why it's important is because it chases back to the age-old question of why are people struggling to lose weight, which we answer with because they're eating too much food or eating the wrong foods, and then which you ask the question, well, then why are they doing that? Why can't they just seem to eat the amount of food that's right for their body so that they can maintain their weight? And then there's a 70,000 explanations that are all somewhat of the same answer. Um, we just have to um, use behavior change types of things to get them to have new habits, have new behaviors. And if they do that long enough, it will become their new behavior. That's essentially what it is, right? Practice this diet, want it bad enough, do it every day, and eventually uh, it will become your new normal. Or you'll love the results so much that it, of course you'll maintain it. And not, we know none of that is true. So when I looked at this question of, well, why are people eating the way that they are? And of course, I have my own personal journey of doing that for myself and 
feeling completely perplexed as to why I kept stuffing food in my mouth when I wasn't hungry. And also wondering why, if I wanted to lose weight so bad, why did I keep sneaking my roommate's food and sneaking white chocolate chips when nobody was looking and eating boxes of macaroni and cheese and boxes of cereal and living off of Diet Cokes? And why was I doing all that when my main goal, there was nothing more important to me than losing weight. And yet every day I found myself in the pantry or the fridge and it was so confusing to me. And of course, on the other side of this, I'm, now I'm looking at it from my personal experience. I'm looking at the experiences of my clients over the past 12 years. And um, then I'm looking at the actual research, right? Because I, like I said, I'm working on my dissertation. I have to actually back up this stuff. I can't just use my own personal experience. And what we know is that a lot of people are explaining or using these psychological terms to describe what's going on. So they're saying yeah, I'm emotionally eating, I'm stress eating, I'm overwhelmed, um, and these kind, um, those are the kinds of words they're saying to explain the behavior. And yet they're not using those things to actually help with the behavior. They're still sort of resorting to, but I have to just force myself to eat less, move more. I have to just want it bad enough. I have to have more motivation, more willpower, more discipline. Um, and this is not the way in which we find long-term or sustainable solutions. So we look at, well, how do we solve this problem from a psychological perspective, or at least a blend of natural and psychological science? How do we blend this so that people can actually get to a place where they don't eat more food than their body wants most of the time? Yes, you're still going to have episodes like I did when I ate six cookies in one day because we're human, and that's going to happen. But remember, my reaction to that was vastly different from my dieting days when it would have been an all-out just horrible, horrible, I won't even say day, it would have been a horrible month. It would have spiraled into binge eating and and shame and everything else. And so what it comes down to is that we're really focusing on the wrong problem. See, everybody's asking, how do we get people to eat less food, move more, and lose weight? And I understand why they're saying that, because it's the most obvious question, or the most obvious questions. But what I'm looking at is, what is causing people to have these disordered eating patterns or behaviors? And I wanted to find that for you right here so you know what I'm talking about. So a disordered eating pattern is any time we use food restriction or we struggle with binge eating or we purge. Now, very few of my clients are on the purge side anymore, but I want to let you know that in the purge uh, definition, that includes excessive exercise. So that's that's I would have never at the time said I was bulimic because there's no way I would ever ever have forced myself to vomit or use diet pills or laxatives. But every time I ate, I would go for a run. It's the same thing. Um, every time I binge ate, I should say, I went for a run. And I, I worked with other people who do this. So don't think that necessarily purging means vomiting or laxative. It also means excessive exercise to reverse all the calories that you ate. Another... Um, Symptom of disordered eating patterns or behaviors is when we get our self-worth from our body, shape, and weight, when we have an inaccurate view of our own body, participating in excessive or rigid exercise routines, participating in obsessive calorie counting, feeling afraid to eat certain foods or food groups, and an overall rigid approach to eating, like only eating certain foods or inflexible mealtimes or refusal to eat in restaurants or outside of our home. Um, and you can see that all of these just sort of 
step into the the more known eating disorders like binge eating, orthorexia, anorexia, bulimia. And these are the precursors to that. And I, I, the last stat I could find is that about 60-something percent of people, especially women, um, the majority of that being women, are struggling with disordered eating patterns. And that stat was back in 2008. And so I would venture to say that that number is much higher, whereas the percentage of people with eating disorders diagnosed, clinically diagnosed, would be somewhere in the less than 5%. Um, and so we see a huge difference, right? I mean, yes, there's a lot of programs out there to help people with eating disorders, and we know that it's a big problem because you can die from, obviously, any of them. However, not a lot of people are talking about disordered eating patterns and behaviors, which is what the vast majority of the world is struggling with, and definitely what I was struggling with and my clients are. But when we, and this isn't to make you feel like, oh great, I have a new diagnosis. It's not about that. It's about solving the right problem. So if we look at, okay, look at my disordered eating patterns. Going back to my example of eating six cookies in one day, that's not a disordered eating pattern. How I responded to it would have given us information about where my relationship was with food. If that became an, a reason to go for a really quick run or, um, you know, or obviously to purge, um, if it would have triggered obsessive calorie counting or uh, have any sort of anything that would cause my behaviors to change around food or movement or my body or weight, then we would be falling in this category of disordered eating patterns and behaviors. So what the heck do we do about that, right? So, okay, maybe you're like, yeah, I identify with one or two or three of those things that you mentioned about, you know, what constitutes disordered eating patterns and behavior. So what do we do about it? Well, the first thing is that we talk about this idea of awareness. Now, you're probably used to becoming hyper aware of your food and exercise through food journals and calorie counting and your smartwatch or Fitbit, but this type of awareness actually increases disordered eating patterns while it decreases weight, and that's why it's sneaky, because your weight can de decrease with these awareness strategies. It's what any diet is. Um, because before the diet, you're sort of not paying attention or you're, or you're purposely checking out or numbing out when you eat or, or, and you're checking out in life so that you don't have to deal or put effort into what you really, really want because it's too exhausting and you're burnt out and it's not fun. And there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to be present and aware around your food or weight or movement. It's, that's totally understandable. However, we do have to have awareness in order to have a healthy relationship with food and a, a fulfilling life and our ideal bodies and all of that, but we need the right kind of awareness. And the right kind of awareness increases our presence and increases our, our ability to be here and now while, while not increasing disordered eating patterns. In fact, it decreases disordered eating patterns. And the right kind of awareness is looking at more who we are as eaters and why we do things and how we do things as opposed to the what, which is what 99.9% .9 of the world is focused on is the what. What are people eating? What are people doing? I'm asking why are people eating that and why are they doing that? And also, just becoming aware of how. How do you behave around food? How do you behave around movement? How do you behave around weight? Those are the two most important questions to me is the how and the why. I could care less about the what because the what is just a reaction or result of the why and the how. So awareness is becoming more present and more aware of what's going on with why you're doing things and how you're doing things and ignoring the what for a little bit so that we can actually focus on what's most important here. The second thing we have to do is deal with food confusion. 
Every diet we do decreases the connection between ourselves and our body, which makes it impossible to hear our hunger and fullness cues. We're left feeling confused as to what to eat and completely reliant on a diet, meal plan, or a person to tell us what to eat, how much to eat, when to eat. So we have to increase our connection to our body so we can rely on ourselves instead of a diet. This is why we're in the never-ending cycle of uh, gaining and losing, because the methods that we're using to lose are externally based, and therefore they they will be required for the rest of our lives to maintain whatever we accomplished. Instead, we use internal change methods. We, we, We use our actual body so that it, one, can be learned as opposed to something that has to be efforted. The body can learn these behaviors. Uh, However, when we're using externally based things, it's not the body saying, oh, okay, so thank you for giving me this and that so that I can function better. It's, hey, body, you're doing this whether you like it or not. And that's a very different experience for the body. It takes a lot more effort, a lot more energy, a lot more output, which is why we eventually get burnt out, exhausted, and frustrated by it and give up. So when we use a body connection type of approach, we no longer have food confusion because we're connecting to our body. And now it's not confusing. It's just, oh, my body wants to eat this. Oh, my body's full. My body doesn't like that. The more you focus on creating that body connection and strengthening that, the less you're ever going to need anything outside of you. Um, you'll never need to buy another diet book, another diet anything, because you're, you will have your unique, customized diet that's 100% foolproof just for you and nobody else. You'll know exactly what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, everything, because it's going to come from you. Now, you're not going to have that information right now, because nobody does who's had, had has had any long-term exposure to uh, dieting or weight loss methods. So it's not your fault that you don't have that right now. And please don't use your current experience to dictate what your future experience will be. Because it is 100% possible to connect to your body, to understand your hunger and fullness cues, to know what your body wants to eat and what it doesn't want to eat, and to follow it. All of it is possible. But we have to do it differently. And number three, pleasure. We have to allow food to be pleasurable in order for it to be satisfying. We can override pleasure and satisfaction for a period of time with willpower and discipline, but eventually we'll give in. It's like a cell phone battery. It it eventually is going to die. And then due to years of deprivation, this will not be a small slip and we're left feeling ashamed and disappointed in ourselves. Hence, cookie example. I wanted pleasure. So when I look back at that that blog I wrote back in 2010, and I gave you all the things that my body said, which was I wanted to go outside, I wanted to work on this really cool program you were excited about, all these things my body wanted. What it really comes down to is it wanted pleasure. It wanted presence, experience. Actually, it wanted all three of these. It wanted presence and awareness. It wanted connection, and it wanted pleasure. And so it it quickly went to the, the source that could bring that in the quickest way possible, which would be one of my favorite desserts, cookies. Now, it didn't care about the after facts, right? Because the five minutes after eating all those cookies, it's not a happy, positive, connecting, pleasurable state. But when our brain gets focused on something, it's not considering what happens five minutes after. It's it wants something and it wants it now. And so in that moment, I gave in to actually, I'm not even gonna say gave in, I was human. And I went to find the solution to my problem in the quickest possible way, which would be to eat cookies. The truth was I wanted pleasure, I wanted presence, and I wanted connection. Those were the three things I wanted. And I didn't feel like dealing with those in the moment. And so I went to the cookies. And I'm happy because in those moments when I do reach for the easiest solution, the quickest fix, it just reminds me of how 
badly I don't want to do things that way, about how that is not creating what I want ultimately. It creates a life that's less fulfilling, less connecting, less pleasurable, and certainly less present and aware because it's hard to be present and aware when you feel awful. So I'm grateful for the experiences to remind me that that's not how I want to approach things. I don't want the quickest fix. I want solutions. And so what's the solution to creating more presence and awareness, more connection and more pleasure? And there's a million things you could choose from besides food. But that's assuming that we even have the understanding of all of that. So really what it comes down to is just deciding that you want to do this differently, that you want to approach this differently, and that you want to think beyond the limits of what the rest of the world says weight and food and movement is supposed to be. And if you're willing to do that and open up your your mind to approach this from a psychological perspective, you're going to find incredible results. Now, bringing this back to my dissertation, my dissertation is going to be uh, looking at what middle-aged women do when they go through my intervention, which is my um, 30-day program that I take all my clients through to help them uh, reduce overeating, binge eating through increasing awareness, connection, and pleasure. Um, so it's exactly what my my dissertation is going to be on, is exactly the things I'm inviting you to do. Um, and if you want to be part of my dissertation, then you know I'll let you know when I'm looking for my participants, which will be later this year. Um, because you'll be able to go through that. You can also go through that program really inexpensively because I have a 30-day journal that you can use um, and it's like, I think, 30 bucks and it walks you through the process for you to do it on your own. And I also have a program and you can also do it with me if you want more one-on-one support. But the point is that at the end of the day, you're going to have to increase these three things. So my dissertation will hopefully give everybody the data because it will be a quantitative study. So it's going to have stats and we will see exactly what happens when people increase awareness, increase connection, increase pleasure, and then how that affects their beha- their disordered eating patterns and behaviors, measuring external eating, emotional eating, and restrained eating. And you're going to see in the data, well, I'm being biased, obviously, and I'm assuming things about my research, which you're not supposed to do as a researcher, but because I've been testing this intervention for the past, uh, I don't know, 12 years. I'm pretty sure I know what it will say. But essentially, you'll notice that the restrained eating is, and the external eating and the emotional eating all will decrease just as a result of increasing awareness, connection, and pleasure. And when we decrease all those things, guess what happens? We eat less food more consistently. And when we eat less food more consistently, what do you think happens? So you can tie it all together. I just hope you take away from today that if you focus on your why and your how as opposed to the what, you're going to be 400 steps before everybody else in the world. If you then take it even further and increase your awareness for your why and your how, increase your connection to your body through embodiment and and being in your body and experiencing your body and increase your pleasure through all the different ways you can increase your pleasure, you're going to be 7,000 steps above just about everybody else. And so I invite you to do that, even in this time when you maybe don't want to be doing these kinds of things. I mean, who really wants to be more present and aware right now? I get it. It's not a very fun time to be existing. However, there is a lot of also great time to become more aware of who you are and and why you do things and how you do things so that you can have solutions that are more custom tailored to your needs. So I hope that that is what you can pull from this unique experience that we're all in together. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe, and let your friends know about this podcast. Share the wealth, all right? I'll see you next time.